This is Simulcast, a high-fidelity podcast about healthcare simulation. So welcome to another episode of Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel, and I'm here today for the second of our episodes in collaboration with Advances in Simulation. And the article that we're looking at today is called Tracing the Prescription Journey, a Qualitative Evaluation of an Interprofessional Simulation-Based Learning Activity. And it is hot off the press from Advances, and I'm very fortunate today to have one of the authors and a discussant with us. So the first of these people is Jerry Gormley, who's dialed into us all the way from Belfast. Jerry is an academic GP, and he's also currently the lead for educational research at Queen's University, Belfast. Welcome, Jerry. Uh, good morning. Uh, great uh, honour to be able to chat to you uh, about your paper. Yep, we're certainly uh, looking forward to it. And as our discussant today, we've got a friend of mine who also works uh, with us at the Gold Coast Hospital and Health Service. And Christy Noble is a medical education officer, which is how I got to know her. But more recently, she's doing more in the way of research, and she's currently a principal research fellow in Allied Health at the hospital. Uh, welcome, Christy. Thanks very much, Vic. It's a pleasure to be here. And Christy brings with us uh, an interesting perspective because she is a pharmacist by initial training and her PhD work was about pharmacy curriculum and looking at how pharmacy students are trained. So I think this will be a nice uh, triangulation on the topic. So Jerry, I might start with you because uh, it's probably useful for our listeners just to get your summary. What is this paper? Why did you do it? And how did you do it? I think a good place to start is uh, with a particular need. You know, why did we carry out this project? Why did we carry out this simulation activity? And for us in Northern Ireland and the UK, and I'm sure it's the same across many parts of the world, that uh, prescribing uh, is a very critical, important uh, clinical skill uh, and occurs mostly in the community. Uh, so actually occurs outside uh, the, uh, the hospital sector. So over 90% of prescribing in the NHS occurs in the community. So this is a really important starting point where we want to help develop our, our, our students to be effective and safe prescribers. But the one issue uh, as we all want to uh, achieve collaborative practices that usually their training is uniprofessional. Medical students do this on their own. Uh, so we thought that um, by using the skills of uh, simulation that we may be able to nurture better collaborative practice uh, and we developed a, a simulation activity that really looked at the whole prescription journey from assessing a patient to prescribing and also dispensing the medication uh, and, and together with medical and pharmacy students uh, in a simulated activity being able to, to, to kind of map that journey, experience that journey and hopefully learn from that journey as well. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of the holy grail everywhere, trying to encourage health professional students to understand each other's roles and to learn a little more about how each can complement each other in the patient journey, is that right? Exactly. Um, you, you know, we, we wanted to nurture, I mean, I mean when our undergraduate students train, and I think this is similar across many universities, they largely train in a uni professional fashion, but you know, day one when they start working, they have to work 
uh, I, in harmony, they have to work together collaboratively. You, you mentioned the term the uh, the Holy Grail, and I think it's something that we all sh should strive. But we had to be really realistic that you know interprofessional learning can be really challenging. Um, as quoting Elise Paradis, you have to be a wizard of time, space, and people to get everybody in the one room at one time. You know, different students uh, from different professions will have different curricular timetables. But but this really started for. Uh, again, just given our personal experience, that we uh, we ha have good colleagues in the School of Pharmacy, who we sat together and said, "Look, we think this would be really important to do. How can we make it happen?" Mm -hmm. And I think that's really Im important to point out is this isn't just people not wanting to do interprofessional work. It's, as you say, a practical and logistic challenge as much as anything else. So, why don't you tell us about this simulation? What did it look like? First of all, it, it, uh, it was for the benefit, benefit of medical and pharmacy students and we have, um, in our particular course at Queen's, we have groups of 40 medical students and 30 pharmacy students um, and we were able to, uh, because our timetables lent it that way, to be able to divide them in smaller groups uh, and we had a mixture of about 20 to 10 pharmacy students who came together, uh, we briefed them about uh, the importance of prescribing uh, and then in small groups uh, usually two to one or thereabouts of uh, medical to pharmacy students they uh, went into a simulated um, GP office um, and uh, assessed a simulated patient who was acting out a role of a, a patient who had a particular medical condition so uh, usually in this situation the medical student took the lead and took the history uh, from from the simulated patients, but the pharmacy students also maybe have contributed as well to taking the history uh, uh, and assessment. Following that, uh, the students then uh, came to a diagnostic decision uh, and then actually wrote out a handwritten prescription. So actually wrote out, uh, of course it was a mocked prescription, uh, of the recommended drugs that they uh, would, medications that they would prescribe the patient. They explained to the patient about the medication and how to take it and what to do and what to, how to monitor. Um, and then we went over in our School of Pharmacy here at Queen's, and I'm sure many pharmacy training institutions will have a simulated pharmacy, uh, dispensing pharmacy. So this looks like a, a, a typical chemist that you would see out in the, the high street where there's an area where uh, you know patients can uh, wait and hand over the prescription uh, and then uh, around the corner you've got all the various drugs and, and IT software uh, to, to be able to uh, you know dispense the medication, print the label, uh, of course it's not active medication but also counsel them about uh, about the medication and how best to to take it and what to do if there are any issues. So really kind of uh, tracing the whole journey of uh, the patient and the prescription. Uh -huh. So it looked like in terms of just to step people through the phases there was doctor's office, medical student mainly talking to patient, a pause where the medical student and pharmacy student talked about the plan, there was back to the office with the simulated patient outlining the plan and then there was a move to the pharmacy environment where the dispensing and education of the patient happened and then you went in and did a debrief, is that? Yes, yes, so yes, and, and then afterwards we, we, we carried out a, a thorough debrief um, and also we then had a larger class discussion where we were able to bring together uh, common salient points and, and, and the patients and the teaching pharmacy staff uh, together, the students all took part in that and we then looked at some of the evidence 
uh, of, of maybe how best to manage those conditions so to structure their for, for future learning as well. So I think that's pretty important. So you clearly had some so-called more technical outcomes in terms of what is the right drug for this situation or is any pharmacological agent appropriate as well as the interprofessional outcomes? Absolutely uh, and you know th- though this process was about prescribing ultimately and the uh, the actual medication but also if we emphasize the need for the non-pharmacological approaches to treatment which sometimes can be overlooked or maybe not given as much uh, credence or value uh, but sometimes can be of equal importance as well. Okay so we might just sort of uh, pause your description there so you've given us a sense of what the simulation followed by the debrief is like and we'll come on to then I guess your study which was looking at what was the uh, themes that emerged in terms of the student experience but Christy I might ask you to give us a little sense of this using a patient journey and just give us some general thoughts on that. Okay um, so I think what um, Jared described really hits the nail on the head in terms of what we've observed in practice and certainly what I've observed um, looking at pharmacy curricula is that there's limited opportunities to have um, the two professional groups um, work and learn together. And I think with, when you mentioned about the um, patient being the focus, I think that's central to interprofessional learning is that having the patient as a focus fosters that shared understanding, this is what we're all working towards together. And if you take almost a theoretical learning perspective, having that shared understanding, then um, that's what you build your learning on. So Stephen Billick describes this as intersubjectivity. Um, so you're understanding each other's roles and the contributions you're making to patient care. So I think that's a really, it's a really neat way to have set up a simulation with that being the um, the epicenter, if you like. Through that experience, what from listening to Jerry's description, is that it's enabled um, people to look at each other's roles as they follow that journey, and I think that's really important. And certainly, from my experience of looking at um, the pharmacy curriculum in a local university, is that often the simulations focus on pharmacists providing uh, the patient, if you like, the simulated patient with information about the medications or educating them, but not really understanding the journey before that that the patient's likely to have been on. So I think that's a really important um, uh, contribution. So patient journey, a good idea. And uh, it seems to me a good idea to integrate the idea of it's not just we're here doing interprofessional learning, we're also here learning more stuff for our respective technical expertise as well. Absolutely. So it's focused on the practice, and I think that's something we've also written about. Is you know you're, you're bringing the interprofessional um, learning is brought together through the practice of the community or the practice of the group. Um, so yes, right, that's absolutely right. Yeah. All right, Jerry. Well, we might come back then to I suppose what was the uh, then study itself, which is to look at what were the themes that emerged in terms of the student experience. So talk us through how you did that because it's probably a useful learning experience for those of us more new to qualitative research and then tell us what you found. Uh, Sure thing. Um, Well, we used, uh, as you say, a qualitative approach. Um, In this instance, we just used fairly straightforward thematic analysis uh, to explore the students' uh, experience of this uh, simulation pathway, this simulation 
uh, activity. So how we went about that uh, was that we obviously uh, consented students and um, following this simulation activity uh, we, uh, we recruited students to take part in focus groups. Um, and the focus groups, it was important that we had a, a mixture of students uh, within some of the focus groups uh, and then some of the groups were just uni-professional. So we were able to hopefully have mixed groups to share and hopefully uh, be uh, synergised in their, in their comments. But also we wanted to give the opportunity for students from, from one profession to, to voice their, 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 their views, their true views, maybe without not wanting to hold back and talk about uh, the other profession. So we 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 uh, we got four focus groups of students and we interviewed them. And those interviews were recorded. Um, and to guide those interviews, we we had a little question guide. Uh, it was based on our prior literature review. But also we allowed students to to talk freely, let uh, you know ideas emerge that were beyond our questioning guide. So we we had all this audio recording. It, it was all transcribed and we analysed this thematically, which is where the team of researchers looked over the transcripts um, and considered what were some of the emerging themes, uh, but making sure that we didn't, um, or we managed how, how we interacted with the data, reflexivity, we make sure we didn't, you know, we, we, we were very much about uh, letting the, the themes that emerged were really rooted on, on the students' experiences. So we, so we came up with some interesting themes, like if, if, if that was okay for me to talk about now or? Yeah, I think that would be uh, great. But what I would do is just for listeners who are interested, mm -hmm. it's a very nice description in there. And if you're thinking about doing qualitative work, it's a, another resource I'd suggest to look through Jerry's methods uh, where he describes how this is done. But yeah, tell us, what did you actually find? Okay, so um, four main themes, so I'll try and keep it uh, succinct for you. And uh, the first theme really, which we described as a, uh, a IPE simulation, uh, creating a broader learning experience. The first thing was that we, we unlocked a, a new learning experience activity for our students. They said that this was the first time they really got a, um, a, a sense of working collaboratively, um, but also working, uh, focusing on practice together. So it wasn't just a theoretical um, uh, topic. Uh, they actually were, uh, as it were, hands-on. Um, and this was enabled by the simulation. The simulation, they were able to, uh, you know, immerse uh, in this activity and gain a sense of responsibility. Uh, and particularly this was reinforced by having a patient, a simulated patient, in front of them. Uh, so this really drew their attention um, and they, 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 they were able then to uh, carry out the activity, work together, but felt the, a sense of uh, responsibility, which was quite, quite interesting. Um, the second theme looked at uh, patient-centred practice, a shared understanding, and a bit, uh, and certainly leading to what Christy had said, um, that the key to this activity, and I think for a lot of our simulation, it's all about the experience, the embodied experience. Of, of simulation and having an actual human face in front of you. This is not just a, a picture or a description of, this is actually an individual that you're caring for, uh, which the immersion uh, simulation uh, provided. Uh, so it really got them to consider the patient. Um, and, and what was interesting is that, you know, the medical students, um, you know, 
said that pretty much prior to giving the prescription to the patient and telling them about their medication, that's where their thinking stopped. But they really got their eyes open to, you know, what what uh, what the prefer, what the pharmacist and their professional rules of how they continue to talk to the patient about their condition and how best to manage it with the medication, which was really interesting. And of course, vice versa as well with the pharmacy students learning about the medical students' experience. Um, the third theme, which lends into that, they got a deep insight to each other's professional skills. For sure, the medical students often led in assessing the patients, um, and the, the pharmacy students got a good insight uh, to to that. Um, and an interesting topic came up, um, really looking more broadly on the different roles that the, the pharmacy students uh, cited that often they are very you know, have to adhere to protocol and, and follow the guidelines. Uh, but one of, uh, largely, but I know that sometimes that it's not all exclusively, but they find that the medical students often went off guidelines, they had a deal with uncertainty, and they thought they, they got a real sort of handle on that, thought that was really interesting uh, about, about their particular role. I think you're right, it's a really important point. It's not just learning about the roles, it's learning about the culture, and I'm sure Christy will have something to say about that. But yes, tell us the last theme. And yeah, okay, so the last theme was about um, really sort of the broader uh, understanding of each other's roles uh, and the professional identity and roles. Um, they, they were able to gain a greater awareness, but also a greater respect uh, for each other's roles and how, they, how they've come together in a collaborative fashion to ultimately serve patients to uh, to prescribe uh, and manage patients safely. Um, it, that was a very positive but also they touched on some of the negative experiences that they maybe have encountered or heard of. Uh, these, these stereotypes maybe of each other's profession and really to try and uh, really they, they were able to sort of you know quash those stereotypes and, and let me give you an example that sometimes uh, 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 pharmacists were maybe need to query the, the GP about a particular prescription, there might be an error, but sometimes the, the medical students felt that sometimes they, we have a saying here in Northern Ireland that the, the pharmacist was nagging the doctor, um, uh, they were kind of um, challenging them, but actually what they learned was that, look, this is important to, to challenge if there's an error or an issue, because it's not about the pharmacist, it's not about the medical student, it's about the patient. Uh, and it's and it's because it's about patient care, then it's important to make sure that everybody is happy and work together to be able to prescribe uh, effectively and safely. Yes, we call it nagging in Australia too, oh, Jerry. Just <laughs> so it's not lost on translation. Good. No, no. I'm not sure about our American listeners. We'll no doubt hear about it in the comments. Okay. Uh, all right. So pretty interesting piece of work. So Christy, I might just sort of get some general thoughts about uh, what you thought about the way they went about it and the themes that came out and how that would compare with some of the work that you've done. So I think uh, I really liked how you did the um, focus groups. So that was one of my questions when I was reading through. I was like, ah, so that's great to have kind of had a mixed group but also enable the opportunity to speak freely about profession. So I think that was a really robust way to um, explore their perceptions of the experience. Um, and. I think when you were talking through the themes, there's a lot of congruence with what with the work that um, we've done. In, in particular, I think we've done some work whilst to be in, in hospitals and from a different perspective, so how people learn through work. But 
following the patient journey was certainly something that um, when we interviewed junior doctors was um, something, oh, we, sorry, we interviewed junior doctors and pharmacists and consultants, but pharmacists did note that often the doctors were not considering the journey beyond, so what happens when the patient's discharged home? That may be a key focus for a pharmacist because they have to prepare the discharge prescription, but because the um, clinician's roles essentially might finish for that episode of care. Um, that was not something that necessarily continued. So I think what's nice about that is that by conducting these, a simulation like this in the undergrad setting, this is going to um, translate across to the practice setting as well, that they're more likely to think about each other's contributions to the patient journey. Mm. Um, so I was a little bit interested in that and, you know, just to sort of play devil's advocate yeah. here, you know, <laughs> this is a bit of a love-in at medical school and pharmacy school, isn't it? But do you think this sort of happy state of affairs is truly going to survive the transition to the horrible world of the hospital? I think it can. <laughs> 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 Well, certainly the work that we've done, I think... The initial interactions, and certainly this is something that we've asked junior doctors and pharmacists about, often the initial interactions um, may be um, difficult or, you know, not, I guess um, not necessarily stepping off the right foot because of a lack of shared understanding of each other's roles, um, which they do a little bit of a dance to work out who does what and when, whereas I think by having a simulation in the undergraduate setting, at least they're starting to get a, a shared understanding. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I do acknowledge that the, um, there's a whole uh, culture within, within um, you know, the hospital setting that may, may quash some of these ideas, but I think at least the seeds are so on um, uh -huh. the starting point. Yeah, I think Jerry might have something to say about that as well. The loving. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I feel I have to say something. <laughs> no, I, 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 I really respect your comment, Victor. Ultimately, for all of us, you know, it's translating this to practice. I mean, I, you know, it was beyond the remit of this study to look at impact on, uh, on practice down the line. But, but, but for me, um, you know, with the paper highlighted that uh, first of all, it created awareness of each other's role. For the f for one of the first times, um, but interestingly, let me give you behind the scenes, and you know this is something that we carry on. By the way, this is just not a one-off study. This is something that's a core in our our our, uh, our curriculum. Um, the, the, you know, when this when the activity was over, you know, we just let the students speak and chat, and they chat to the patients, and you know, the conversations around. Oh, I didn't know you did that in pharmacy. Even the fact that we had a t we walked into the school of pharmacy with my 20 medical students behind me and they got to see the staff there I, I think that even just those simple small things really opened up their world to uh, to you know other professions uh, and you know if the big thing that they get from this is just increase their awareness and you know that actually together we need to work together efficiently and effectively then I think I think our job is done uh, but again beyond our remit to, to determine if it has actually impacted practice down the line you send powerful messages just by the fact that you're doing this work and obviously they're watching the role models of you and the pharmacy team working together and I think that also has a, a powerful message in it. Uh, Christy, I got the sense you weren't quite finished with a few other thoughts that you had on this uh, paper. There was a lot of congruence between the fi your findings and 
what we've noticed in in our work and I think just a different understanding of each other's professional skills. I think that that was something that we've also um, noted in the workplace setting. We've been doing some work with um, junior pharmacists and helping them facilitate learning of junior doctors and they often are not sure of all the other things a junior doctor has to do in their day, for example. So I think it's just getting a shared understanding of each other's professional skills and the roles that they have to um, play. And then, uh, yeah, just to pick up on the nagging, we also call it policing. <laughs> some, of the, some of the pharmacists here refer to themselves or think that other people think that they're being prescribing police. <laughs> pharmacists note and, and acknowledge that they um, often have to follow rules, but they do preface it on that, you know, despite um, having to follow rules, their intention is about contributing to patient care. And I think helping um, the medics understand that is a really powerful contribution as well. Yeah, and I think, I'm not sure the exact term you used in the article, but you used the word tension, but you had a preface of tension. It was sort of a a good kind of tension, and I think that's true. We do need people who are both got some flexibility and also people who've got the rules because, of course, the truth lies somewhere in between, invariably. All right, fantastic stuff. So what we might do is just start to put our heads towards what I, we think our listeners should take away from this paper and from our discussion. And uh, I guess two questions come to mind. One is, what should we be doing in our simulation practice to enhance interprofessional learning outcomes? And I guess the second question, perhaps for both of you, is how should we be taking it to the next step in terms of what kind of research in this area do you think will further our understanding? So I guess, Jerry, that first one is probably particularly yours since you do a lot of simulation. What have been your take-homes and suggestions, do you think, for other simulation practitioners about how they should approach it? Okay. I, I, for me, I, I think some of my kind of take-home messages are, 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 are hopefully short but clear. Um, collaborative uh, interprofessional education is something that we all should aspire to, but it can be challenging. And I, you know, if you're able to make uh, bring together students from different professions um, into an interprofessional uh, space for learning, then really just grab that opportunity, this this knot of of, of learning activity, um, and make it work. So, you know, for us at Queen's, you know, we'd like to do more collaborative practice, but it's challenging because of all the things we talked about, uh, you know, difficult, different, different timetables, different locations. But if you're able to work, uh, and this is faculty, work together with colleagues from different professions and be able to make it, make it come together, then really, you know, grasp that opportunity. Um, and when you get those students is to make the learning as effective as possible. Um, you know, focus on the practice very much where we can bring the human presence uh, into the simulation, the simulation uh, patients. And actually, our, our simulation is relatively low tech. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we bring the context of the, the GP consultation room and the pharmacy and the prescription, but actually, that's all relatively low tech. But as we're probably all aware, that sometimes just the small little things can, can have maybe a big impact. For, for our students. So uh, if you can make it happen, make it happen. So I suppose the final thing, and this is probably for both of you, is where do we take the research agenda from here in terms of thinking about how much of this do we need, what's the best design, what are the next questions? And I might go you first, Christy, and then you, Jerry. 
Okay. Um, so when I read uh, the article, a couple of questions came to mind. Firstly, my understanding is that it's a one-off um, simulation, and so I wondered about ongoing interprofessional um, or interprofessional uh, simulations, and whether there would be a curriculum to sort of build progress, um, say, throughout the um, the course. And I also wondered about um, having simulations after the students had been on placement, for example, and observed different types of behaviour in the workplace, but then helping them to deconstruct that together um, as two different professional groups and make sense of it. Um, so sort of questions about how is this placed within the curriculum, of uh, what is the best way, is it best as a preparation for practice, as an adjunct alongside rotations, uh, and obviously there might be a combination of both of those. Yeah, so, so certainly once they're observing cultures and different organisations coming back together and making sense of that through another practice-based or practice-centred mm -hmm. um, simulation um, was one yeah. thought I had. And yeah. I also, also wondered about the, whether there would be further benefit in having um, students, say medical students, working with experienced pharmacists and vice versa, pharmacy students working with um, experienced um, medics through through simulation activities as well. It might be a bit pie in the sky, <laughs> um, <laughs> but to, to draw to draw on that that expertise, with that practice based expertise. Yeah, really examining probably or extending your research questions to how do these professions continue to learn from each other, particularly when one might be more experienced. Mm, yes. Fantastic questions. Jerry, what do you think? Where to from here? I, I think an interesting focus would be on models of interprofessional education where often many people have the desire to you know, to have IPE, but it, it doesn't get started because simply they just can't get the students together. What are the barriers, what are the enablers in terms of getting uh, you know, nurturing into professional education? And it might be that you know, it still might be uniprofessional uh, a simulation, you might have just groups of medical students, but actually bringing in, uh, you know, experienced pharmacists or a, or a, a representative or a sample of uh, or a small group of uh, pharmacy students as a one-off activity um, would really allow a, a multi or, or interprofessional perspectives on the learning the simulation. It, it's all about collaborative care and we've got to start from day one in our curricula um, and we've got to make this work. So, so for me it's about maybe looking at different models of how we provide interprofessional education. Fantastic. So, And I think that will be a unending journey but quite a good one to go on and I think also one that's dear to the heart of the editor-in-chief of Advances uh, in Simulation, Deborah Nestel, who's also done plenty of work in IPE. All right, well I'm going to bring our discussion to a conclusion there but just for our listeners to remind you to go to the website where we've got the link to Jerry's article and the Advances in Simulation website. I'll also put up a couple of other links so if you want to find out more about Christy or Jerry we'll have some links to their publications and some of the other things that we've discussed over our time together. So I just want to thank you both very much Christy and Jerry. You're very welcome. Thank you Vicky and Christy. Connect with us at sim underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. 